Hello and welcome back to Rocket Pod, the brand new podcast where we're deconstructing visionary stories and sharing them with you guys, our listeners at home. My name is Harry Damon. Alongside me is James Cuss and producer Peter Haynes. For today's episode, I'm very excited to introduce our guest, the UK's number one motivational business speaker, Mr. Brad Burton. I think that's all the introduction he's going to need, so I think we should get this episode going. Good morning, Brad. Please could you first of all set the scene for us? Share with our audience what it was like for you growing up. All right, so I was born in 1973, um, so that makes me 47 as of today. Uh, brought up in a working class environment, over in Salford, Manchester. Um, my dad left when I was six months old. Uh, my mum brought me up as a single parent all those years, and I um, effectively left school with no qualifications. Uh, went on YTS training course, got a job in retail. And actually, I managed to blag myself a job as a computer games reviewer. And um, I ended up getting like the dream job. That's like the second best job in the world, it really is. And um, yeah, so I got, a, uh, I got that dream job and I ended up on, on the program back in the 90s called Games Master. I was a, ga- I was a games reviewer and uh, one of the co-commentators for the, for the gaming challenges. So those people from the, uh, that area will recognize that. And then look, things changed for me. I got two bullets put through the window over in Manchester. Um, back in 1995, which caused me to move away, move away from Manchester uh, and start again in a place called Western Supermare. So I read a little bit about how you moved home, I think, 14 times between the age of eight and 14. Would you be able to share with the audience some lessons that you maybe learned from this? Yeah, that I wanted roots. I wanted roots. To, I wanted a place to, to belong, a place to stay, a place to, to stick. And that's something that had kind of been uh, eluded me throughout my childhood and it wasn't really like any from a mum's perspective she was actually doing the right thing every single time she made that decision even though I didn't see it at the time looking at it back at it absolutely 100% the right thing to do um, and I think what I've learned from that like I say is that unless you're a surfer you kind of need to somewhere along the way to, 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 to put roots down and I think that was the thing that always eluded me and that was the thing that I kind of if I look back throughout the threads of my life is that's what I've tried to effectively create with with my network and my business and my home and my family. So you just mentioned your business and your network. In 2006, you launched for networking. Would you be able to share with our audience maybe a little bit more about this company and what inspired you to launch it? So I started for networking in political terms. For those people who don't know, for networking was a business networking organisation. And the same was because it existed for 14 years prior to COVID. Now it's changed and we'll get to that in a second. However, when I first started my business off in 2004, I walked out of a job December the 16th, 2004. Told my employer to shove the job up the backside and walked. And it was a wonderfully liberating experience. It really was for those three hours whilst I drove home and married and I arrived home and the wife was not happy with, with, with that decision. She was glorious. I was 25 grand in debt, no idea what the fuck I was going to do apart from running a business. And um, she started crying. She said, you're going to ruin this family and your insistence on starting a business off. And it's at times like that when you've got to make a decision and actually to go back to where you once was, which is safe and normal, or, or to plow on, I chose to plow on. Uh, started my own business off, marketing business, um, and we did a year of that, 26 grand turnover first year, 46,000 halfway through the second year, but then I landed on this networking stuff. So I went to networking events, business networking events, and there was, best way to describe it in one word, duster, right? You know, just like up their own ass, self-serving, um, no real give a shit about members, and it was just a culture of, 
business first, business at any cost, you know, always be selling. Just just shit like that. And it's like that's not that's not what I'm about. I'm actually about putting people before business. You get the people bit right, the business follows. And a lot of these networks are about getting the business first and then the people bit followed. And I just looked at it and turned it on its head. So in political terms, you had the loony left of networking where nothing quite happens. Chablis, Volavant's lady with the, you know, uh, talking about the, the parking provision in the local town centre, they're increasing it from £3.50 to £3.75 and the, 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 the people are in uproar. Just bullshit. You know, and I went along there and it's just like, you know, you're wasting 90 minutes of your life. Then you had the hardcore right of networking. Where's your leads? Where's your referrals? You have to attend. And I'm thinking, where was the mainstream of networking? And it never existed. And I'm going, why doesn't it exist? I don't understand. That doesn't appeal to me, the left hand. The right hand doesn't appeal to me. Where was the mainstream? It didn't exist. And I'm scratching my head going, I don't understand why not. And that was it. I started for networking, for networking back in the day, uh, February 16, 2006. It was 50% social, 50% business, and it works. That was the tagline. Think about that. 50% social, 50% business, and it works. Back in 2006, this is before social media. Right, I was on this social media shit before it was even a thing. Like, think about it. Everyone said, "Oh, you can't do it like that. It's got to be eighty percent business, twenty percent social." I'm going, if I don't like the seller, it ain't going any fucking where. <laughs> you know, so you're kidding yourself. So what we did with with, with for networking is we created this culture which allowed people to get business appointments. Every single business needs appointments. An appointment is sitting down in front of somebody and telling them about your products and services. So I needed them. Everyone that I met needed them. I'm thinking, why don't we all just meet in a room and then arrange the appointments? And that's what we did. So we've got this unique format uh, with before networking that no one else has got, which you have 40 second overview around the table, 20, 30 people in the room. And then what happens is we then have a, a foresight, which is an insight, not a sales pitch. Once again, moving away from sales pitches at these networking events, I went along to one of them and this guy's doing talking about windows, selling windows. Like, you know, this is 10 millimeter, you can get 15 million, you can get it with, with what the fuck's going on? Like, the most boring time ever, and then 20 minutes of listening to this guy chirp on about fucking windows. You know, any questions, and some dickhead goes, he doesn't are interested. Um, Nigel, can you get them in 17 million with a wood finish? <sighs> Fuck's sakes. And I'm just like, what is going on? This is bullshit. I don't want to hear the sales pitch. So if I don't want to hear it, nobody else does. So we looked at it and I said, okay, inside not a sales pitch, so therefore you give education. Then afterwards, after you heard everyone's 40 seconds, you think, you know what, I wouldn't mind speaking to Flexer. So then we break for a coffee and I go up to you and say, Flexer, can we have a number one, two or three? Yeah, number one, please, Brad. I swap my card with you for number one. You give me yours. And now we get rid of number two and three. Then we have three 10 minute appointments in group time. That's the simplicity of it. But the differences between four network and any other network, again, and this is where that innovation comes from is that most networks are um, solitary affairs. So effectively, you go to Shadwell Group every single Friday. You see the same people, bumble. With phone networking, it's like the internet. You can go to any group around the UK who's running 5,000. So as a member, you don't join Shadwell, you join the network. So you can go to Manchester, Cornwall, Scotland, anywhere you want. Every single day, there's a meeting running. You can do three meetings a day. I've done it. Morning, blah, 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 with phone networking. So we created this... This, this, this kind of network within a network and nobody's ever done that. So that was a long answer, wasn't it? But in essence, in essence, in essence, it was about creating something different in a space that was clearly vacant. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so you saw, you saw a need, um, well, there was clearly a, a need and something that was lacking and you, um, you found a, yeah, a really fun, I it for fun me. solution. I needed it for my business. Yeah. Well, you know, I needed it for my business. I'm sat here, I'm, I'm on Cunion over in Somerset, 
I don't know anyone. How the fuck was I supposed to meet people? So, you know, and that's a challenge that faces every single individual. I can guarantee there's a whole lot more people right now on phone networking online waiting to do business with other people than the years waiting for the phone to ring right now. And this is what we've had to cultivate it now. We'll get to it in a second. But in essence, we've had to take that offline network online, which is exactly what we've done as a result of COVID. What you said, um, just, just going back a little bit, um, you talked about um, the need to create your own social network, that support network. Um, could you talk a little bit about the journey um, of net networks that you fostered you know, throughout your, your journey? So, you know, um, are they the same back then as they are now or? I get it. So, so great question. So, um, real terms, I would say go straight onto the Facebook and phone networking community. We've got a community with 30,000 people on there. They're like-minded, no question about that. So if you're, this is the thing, let's go back 16 years of whenever I started, there was none of this shit. So you had to create it. You know, there was no networks, no social media network, you know, going on, 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 uh, what was it called, the Microsoft Music one, but MySpace, there, there, was not, there was no social networks as we know it now, but right now it's a gift because you look at this lockdown, you can create anything. Right now I'm speaking to three individuals that we've never met before from around the UK, boom, using technology. This is a gift to any business right now. You don't have the same uh, barriers to entry that we did. So back in the day, uh, right now, first thing I'd do, Facebook, for networking, go on there and just go and introduce yourself. Simple as that. Um, I run my own support network as well, outside of four networking. We can get to that if you want as well. But you know that this whole thing is that there is no cavalry unless you create it. There's no perfect social media, uh, social network, unless you create that social network within that social network. People go, oh, I don't like this group. Well, fuck off then, don't waste my life telling me you don't like the group. Just go. You know, what do you want me to do to change the group? And this is the thing, is that you're never gonna get a situation, that, a, a network that fits for everyone ever so therefore you've got to create your own network within a network okay no so so as far as your vision so when you were when you left manchester which must have been a quite a well it's a huge transition because that's what what you knew and that's where you grew up um your vision was to create your life and there there was obviously an event um with the you know with the no 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 see here's here's the thing let me explain right it wasn't this is the thing Back then, I'm 47 now, back then I was a 22-year-old lad or whatever, I didn't have any vision. All I did was about fucking eating, shagging, drinking, you know, doing drugs. There was no medium, long-term vision. I'd be lying to you to go, oh, yeah, yeah, what it was. was gonna. No, 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 there was none of that. It was survival from day to day. See, the thing is, you cannot be entrepreneurial when you're in survival mode. Right? So I'll give you an example. You're just about to sign a deal for a $10 million deal, and then I run at you with a knife, right? Your priority is no longer signing that deal. Your priority is now surviving yourself from my knife attack. It's a bit strong, but the point I'm making is that you cannot be entrepreneurial while you're in survival mode. And this is the problem that people get. They get themselves in this mindset. They go and watch a fucking Grant Cardone video. The next thing, you know, even though they're in survival mindset, the next thing they think they're going to be, it's all wrong. So going okay. back to that time. Okay, so, so, okay, so your, me, your, your transition from Manchester was kind of a cause and effect. So there was a, a situation which you had to get out. Um, and start a new life, but you weren't, you weren't looking for, you didn't picture a new life. You just knew you had to get out and change. Um, and then the social network, and then by, by making that move. So you actually made a move to, to then initiate the new you know, network or friend, friends. And you know, you kind of, cause you, you kind of made your own luck. Six year difference, six year difference. 
Yeah, because you, you've kind of made your own luck. You've you've taken an action which was to move from Manchester. Um, Correct. So you started a, you started with a clean slate, um, and then you've yep. worked your ass off to create the the social support network. Or initially, it was just probably basic support. Um, and you know whether you were drinking, shagging, whatever, um, that was what you were doing at that Correct. time in your life, and that's that's yeah, that's normal. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so can you can you talk a little bit about creating so do you believe in luck for example you know people say i got lucky people say i got lucky and you think three times that ain't luck that's decisions right fundamentally every single day and this is proven we make thirty thousand decisions every single day thirty thousand decisions how many of them if I didn't, if I asked you a second ago to write down how many decisions you make a day, I bet nobody'd write thirty thousand. People might say five hundred. So what happens to those twenty-nine thousand five hundred decisions that a default programming just tick, kicks in? Now this is where I work on. Now this is from a mindset perspective, as I make certain that all those thirty thousand decisions are the right ones. So that, you know, when you think about um, from a look perspective, it's you're faced with a decision. Unless you do the national lottery and you win that. Once again, you've made a decision. You made a decision to go and buy the tickets. I don't do it, so therefore I'm never winning. So therefore, if somebody wins it, is that luck or is that have they got more chance for it? So from a luck perspective, um, yeah, there's always going to be times when luck fortunes you. You know, when you're walking along, you find a, a twenty pound note, whatever. There's always going to be times like that. But in the round for, I, I don't think it's a strategy that'll work. You know, if you're relying on luck to get to you to where you want to be, not a chance, no way. It's decisions lots of micro decisions so here's the thing these motivational speakers tell you to take massive action take massive action well actually it's bullshit let me explain what you need to do take passive action it is those thirty thousand decisions every single day that you make that are going to get you to where you need to be and so many people believe it's just one clever play that is going to do everything that you need some top rope hulk hogan shit that is going to turn your life around it's not it's thousands of decisions each and every day I'd like to take this moment to introduce to you our sponsor, Flexi, the must-have app to track and manage your subscriptions in one place. So most of us have multiple subscriptions nowadays for things like streaming services, gym memberships and food deliveries. These are great and take the hassle out of buying everyday products that we consume regularly, but it can be hard to keep track of them. That's where Flexi comes in handy, using super secure technology to connect your accounts to see all your subscriptions in a single dashboard, putting you in control of your spending. And what's more, Flexi's subscription marketplace allows you to discover new products you may love, or easy to pause, resume, or cancel in a swipe or two. So give Flexi a try, it's free to download from the App Store, or check out their website at www.flexiapp.uk. That's F-L-E-X-Y app.uk. Back to the podcast. So Brad, I wanted to touch on the subject of giving up, of quitting. Now, would you be able to share with the audience if you've maybe had any experience of this, of wanting to quit, of wanting to give up? And if this is the case, what stopped you? What motivated you to keep going? So, I'm going to show you guys something now. This has just come off my office wall for networking. <clears throat> this is me and my chairman, and that is on November the 14th, 2012. That's me wanting to quit. That's me saying to my chairman, I quit. Um, I've wanted to quit 
I've been in business now with Four Networking 14 years. In the first nine years of Four Networking, I wanted to quit 11 times. So that's 1.1 on average, Manchester Maths, in the first nine years. In the last five years, I've wanted to quit zero times. That says it all. So, so many people, right? 1.1 times every single year for the first nine years. And at any time, if I would have quit, I wouldn't have realized the reality that I live in at the moment. So when it comes to quitting, what I say to people is this. Imagine that you're writing a book and, um, and you're halfway through this book. And that book is your book. And you are writing chapters. And you write to yourself, this is not how this story ends. So you're halfway through the book. This is not how this story ends. And I want you to do a one-line synopsis on the, the final chapter as to how your story ends. And then you ask yourself the question, how does that chief player from chapter seven get to where he wants to be to the chapter 14? And that's how I run my life. So when it comes to quitting, which I, like I say, I'm not I'm being honest about it. Um, you've got to ask yourself a question. Why did you start? <laughs> right? Why did you start? Because actually, if it was easy, every fucker would be doing it. That's the great thing about this, is that it's not so people can go and copy for networking, the format. Now, it'll take two minutes. I can go and give it you now. I can go online and go and get the format and everything. Go and copy the website. Call it five networking. It's got to be better. And people are missing. It's not that. Is that, you know, I could go and get a fucking Jamie Oliver with a kitchen there and all the ingredients. And I could have a kitchen here and all the ingredients. And I could watch the way he does it. And then my souffles come out two hours later. Mine's like a piece of shit. It looks amazing. Why? We've got the same kit, we've got the same ingredients. The difference is the recipe, but also the other thing that people miss is experience. Experience, and that's the thing that keeps you going, experience. Ask yourself this question, what have you learned from this? See, I've spoken, I'm a motivation speaker, I speak in front of you know, audiences thousands of times, literally. And there's been occasions when I've died in front of an audience, two, three, four hundred people, and I've died five, six years ago was the last time. And I remember in front of 200 people dying and it's like, what's going on here? You've done this a million times, but for whatever reason, it's just not gelling. And some people, when they die as a speaker, would go, I am never doing that again. I asked myself this question. What did I like best about it? What did I do next time? I learned from that. And that's where people don't, uh, that's why people fuck it up, because they don't learn from the mistakes. And they don't go, okay, this allows me to move forward. And, and that's, for me, when it comes to quitting, that's what you've got to ask yourself a question. Why are you quitting? Is it quitting because you're, you're fearful, you're tired, or you don't believe that you can make this happen? And actually, um, my chairman, that picture I've just showed you there, he said to me at the time, and that was the last time I ever wanted to quit, he said to me at the time, he said, um, do you trust me? I said, yeah. He said, how much? He said, 100%. He said, right, you ain't fucking quitting. <laughs> he says, I'm telling you right now, you ain't quitting. He said, you've come far too long to this one. We ain't quitting. We owe it to all those members, those thousands of members. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to write it down now, date in the, in the diary. And in six months' time, if you still feel like quitting, we'll quit. What do you say? Done. High five. That was brilliant. Uh, eight years ago. That's a, that's a really good example as well of someone in your net, you know, someone that's really supportive. Because um, you could, you know, he, he could see... Obviously, he, he believed in you, and, and he, helped, he helped you that day. But so, if, if, he, if he'd not had that conversation, or he'd have said, yeah, time to quit, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. Mental. Mm -hmm. Small, innocuous decision, seemingly. So I've got another question for you. So we, we, you talked about, you covered earlier on, you talked about survival. Um, and, you know, when you're in survival mode, you're not looking at 
you know, starting a business or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. So how do you transition? And we also talked about the fact that we make 30,000 decisions a day and every little decision, that the decisions that are easy to do, but also easy not to do are really, really important. And that, that compound effect kind of creates your own, your, your own luck. So how do you go from survival mode? So, so was there a particular moment from the survival situation you were in when you moved from Manchester to developing that growth mindset? Because I'm, for those listeners out there that, that are in that survival mode <clears throat> situation, um, mm-hmm. how do, you know, was, there, was there one definitive so, moment or how did you, so, how did you so, develop that mindset? So I, I, I delivered pizzas at 31 years old to keep my business afloat. That's a reality of it. And actually, when you see on The Apprentice, I'll do anything, Lord Sugar. I'll do anything, Lord Sugar, to get, well, go and deliver fucking pizzas for three years. Will you do that? Well, no. Right, so you won't do anything. What will you do? And this is the thing. You need to get out of survival mode. So the way that you're going to get out of survival mode is by doing the things you don't want to do. In my case, delivering pizzas. Right? In my case, delivering pizzas. In your case, it might be waiting tables. Whatever it takes to get yourself out of that. And if you're not prepared to do that, let me explain. If I had not delivered pizzas, there'd be no phone networking. That's the reality of it, because the pressure from the wife to go and get a proper job was just disproportionate. So therefore, it was a halfway house, which if I did it with pizzas, I could continue my dream and vision of, of starting a business up. So how do you get, where the growth mindset came from was when I realized I wrote this book, now, uh, Life Business Just Got Easier. That picture that i just shown you, I was having a nervous breakdown. I had a nervous breakdown. Like literally, everything that could go wrong in my life was home, business, legals, money, team, the fucking lot. Right? My life was like a game of Jenga. It was just like a big tower, wobbly tower of success. One brick, <laughs> the old fucking thing gone. Uh, and I realized then, life business just got easier, which I wrote, um, that something had to change. And actually, that change needed to get itself off this fucking stupid hamster wheel of bullshit uh, fucking money. Make a load of money and you'll be happy. Go and get a fucking Ferrari, you'll be happy. Go and get a Lamborghini, you'll be happy. Now, don't get me wrong, money, I would rather have more than less. However, there comes a point when it starts becoming, uh, it's, it doubles back on itself. I've got friends of mine with 20 supercars, 20 fucking supercars, right? 20. And actually, I promise you, he would swap uh, my happiness with his today. Because somewhere along the way, I realised that actually people get it mixed up. You see fucking idiots getting out of cars with Lamborghinis and, and suicide doors at 27 on Facebook advertisements. You go, oh, I want to be that guy. Well, you know, I promise you, I promise you, promise you, promise you, that is not where happiness resides. So first and foremost, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop looking at fucking squad goals on, on, on fucking £30,000 Seamaster watches right now, whilst at the moment you're struggling to pay your rent. And actually what you need to do is find your level. But you, you know, if I'm going to the bottom of the stairs in my house here, if I start on stair one, and I've got to get to stair 35 in my house, it's a joke, right? But start on stair one, right? And I've got to get to, the, to stair 12. Is there a way for me to jump from the bottom to the top? No, I could probably jump and guess what would happen? I'd get bruised fucking knees. I might get three or four stairs up but I'd get bruised my knees. That's the problem with today's society. That's what everyone wants. Everyone wants a quick fix. Nobody wants to say, hey, guess what? It takes 14 years to then have your business fucking thrown in the bin because of COVID. Nobody wants that. What they want to do is go on some stupid fucking course for 10 grand and actually have fucking 10 modules for 10 hours and believe that somehow that gives you a fucking winner's mindset. Doesn't, 
it doesn't, what gives you a winner's mindset is getting shot at when you're 21 years old, fucking moving from Manchester with a bin, bag, a bin liner full of shit and having to find a way forward. What gets you resilient in the outer survival mode is recognising that every single challenge that you've had to overcome to this stage to get to where you are, whether it was drug addiction in my case, four years on benefits, being shot at, dad leaving when I said, whatever, right? You know, this is the bit that people want to somehow skip the steps. They want to get to the fucking top. They want to do this Alan Sugar shit and they go along on, on, for six weeks on, on Apprentice. Next thing they've got, a, you know, they're driving around in Lamborghinis. That is not the real world. This is that Simon Cowell bullshit, the, the X Factor bullshit, where people, oh, yeah, it's a great idea, that. Great idea. You should start a business off. Next thing you start a business off, and Simon Cowell's going, or someone like me saying, listen, it's shit. Well, everyone said who's going to buy it. So what you've got to understand is this, this, this whole thing that you're going to do, there is no way of skipping the steps. It's going to be long and arduous. And actually, if you don't know where you're going, like a GPS, when you get in a car, you go to in your car, you get anywhere you go, you type in the fucking postcode. <laughs> Nobody would dream of getting in the car without typing the postcode to go to the destination. But guess what? Every single fucking day you get up and you don't know where the fuck you're going or why you're going. And then you get frustrated when you don't know where you lost. And this is what happened in life. Business just got easier. I changed my thinking. And you said to me about where did I get this mindset? I got it by realizing that the old way that I was doing, driving really fucking fast, metaphorically speaking, wasn't working. All it managed to do is get me to the point where I was, as I was you know, depressed. <laughs> that's, that's not, and yet, you know, I ended up with success. I was ill. Sick success. I was fucking ill. For what? For money? For money? So I'm deeply unhappy, but I've got a load of money in the bank. How the fuck is that success? So I've managed to get, a, I've managed to, to get this balancing act now, which is between being fucking double happy. My priority is, is being happy. My priority is being happy. Not fun. Don't confuse buying a car or getting a new watch. That's fun or a handbag. That's fun. Happy. Genuine happy. You get happy and you start making money, then it starts being real. When you, when you make a load of money and you're not happy, that's when it's bullshit. That's when you start doing six bottles of champagne, lap dancing, da, 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 da. just shit like that. Can you talk a bit about your, um, your daily routine? Um, and can you also cover the topic of abstinence um, and how that's impacted your life, if, if that's something that you've um, experienced? So, so my daily routine is every single morning I wake up, um, I probably about 6.30, I uh, have two cups of coffee, and then I do my task every single day. I run a private mentoring club called Now What Club. Um, I do a task every single day based on where my 200 members are, so where I believe they are, what they need to focus on. Um, every single day, real time, live. That's great because it wears me up. It wears me up. It gets me thinking. It's fucking great. So I do that every single day. And uh, there's something that I do, which, you know, I've got a lion behind me. And uh, the way that lions work is they, they just sit on their ass for 23 hours a day. And then when the shit needs to kick off, that's when they start getting involved. That is how I run my, my world now. Is that actually um, I effectively do burst working. So I'll do one hour of work in the morning one hour of work in the afternoon and the rest is reactive. So I'll do one hour of hardcore fucking work in the morning, one hour in the afternoon. Lion, lion mode, that's what I go into. And it works really well. So in terms of abstinence, you know, fun is, is, is there and it's, got a, it's always got its place. Um, but there comes a point when that fun stops becoming fun, right? And now you're just doing the motions. My drugs that I got involved in 28, 29, great fun. Absolute fucking great fun, right? You know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend they're not. It was, it was great. You know, would I want my children doing it? No. 
But, you know, good fun. And I wouldn't change a single thing. I also think that it, it changed the way that I think and the view of the world, which is very really interesting because you think, you know, I don't look at it conventionally. I don't look at the world conventionally. So abstinence in terms of, um, say it was an interesting one, since lockdown, I've not been to the gym. I used to go to the gym three times a week, four times a week, and nothing's changed. And I'm like, oh my God, four times a week and nothing's changed. I might have lost a tiny bit of size, but nominal. Nothing's changed. And it's like, my, it's blew my mind because we're almost, and this goes back to summarizing that we sometimes get on a hamster wheel, whether it's business, whether it's selling, whether it's this, whether it's that, and we don't know why we're doing it. We just keep fucking money. You're just spinning plates. Why are you spinning plates, Harry? Um, because I've always done it. Oh, right, okay, I'll spin one with you. Next thing, you're just doing that. You're not sure why you're doing it. So this has been a really reflective time for me. So, you know, when you say abstinence, abstinence from the gym, once again, reflective time. It's really interesting you, you talk about, I mean, I always ask myself whether I'm being a busy fool. You know, before COVID, I was getting up at 4.30, doing a hit workout, getting my motorbike, heading down the Shoreditch, you know, getting there for 6.45 or whatever, work a full day. You know, the, the idea was to leave at four, but, but you know, the, the clock rolled by the six and then I'd be home late and I'd have an hour with my wife. And then, and then, but COVID happened. And it's like, Mate. shit, I can spend more time with my wife, yeah. my kids. I can go for walks. I can work out when I want to. James, let me explain. I've just had a notice in my office. I've had the office for nine years. We've been working from home. I'm at home now. All our guys are remote working. I'm going, why am I spending £4,000 a month on an office? That's a lot of memberships you've got to sell to in order to get that. So that's gone. You know, there's a load of changes that have happened here. So this is what I always ask the question. What does this make possible? And what this makes possible, this whole COVID situation is a fresh start. And that's what happened with me and my business. I had to fresh start. It had gone from this, like I say, so many people. When I first moved down from, from Manchester to Somerset, I spent five years being depressed. Depressed, right? Because the reason I was depressed is I wanted to go back to the way it once was. I wanted to go back to Manchester to meet all my friends prior to the shooting. And yet I couldn't. It was, a, it was a world that no longer existed. That is what's happened with this COVID situation. Some people are fucking stupid enough to want to go back to the way it once was. That world is gone. This new world. So when this is all over, this COVID thing, there's going to be a column. And on that column, there's going to be losers, big losers, winners and big winners. I'm intended to be on the winner side of that column. And the reason that I'm going to be on that winner side of that column is because of decisions. When the shit was in the fan, I did not fucking hesitate. We moved from an offline to an online model within three days. And like, no, and people, there's still networks thinking, oh, well, we're going to see what happens. Fuck it, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be out of business. That's what's going to happen. So it was about decisive action. I got a friend of mine who's an SES man. He taught me lots of stuff. And, and he says to me, this is it. one of the best things he ever taught me. You cannot delegate responsibility. He said, you cannot delegate responsibility. Right now, Brad, leadership-wise, you need to step the fuck up and you need to take control of this situation. And that's what I did. I went onto fucking war mode. Like, literally, fucking, I talked to my guys, my thousands of members, I put a video out there on Facebook and said, listen, this is the most difficult fucking video I've ever had to do in the history of my company, 14 years. We are on the verge of defeat. We are going to collapse. Depending on what happens over the next few days, means whether this business of 14 years and all your friendships and all the contacts goes away or it continues, we're taking it online. Da, 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 da. People voted towards us with their feet. I had nothing to lose. I went, fuck it all in. And, it, and it's turned around. Business is great. I've got a new managing director heading it up, so I don't have to. She's fabulous, Pippa. So it's for the first time ever, we've now got this, this it was me running it. 
as an organization, we've now got a management team where we've got a, a, a lady running it. It's like, wow, that in itself is massive and it's a more rounded future. From, uh, you know, it allows me to do this pride working, which is that whole hour a day, two hours a day of intensity whilst I maintain, you know, I burnt out um, four weeks ago. I burnt out, right? And this is a guy who clocks all this shit. I ambushed myself. I didn't even realize because I got myself into this war mode and what ended up happening after two and a half months of this, I got this business to where it needed to be. Then I went to have a lie down on a Saturday and I couldn't move. I couldn't move. This was three weeks ago. I couldn't move. I tried to get up. It was 15 seconds for a three second walk to the toilet. I'm like an old man. Like, what the fuck's going on here? And I'm thinking, is it COVID? I'm checking my blood sugars, everything. And what it was was burnout. See, we've run with it on adrenaline, right? This is why people end up with the tops off outside nightclubs saying, fucking come on, right? It's because adrenaline takes over. You're no longer thinking. You look at the riots. Normal people, when they're not head up, wouldn't be there. But when you're head up, it's like, fuck it, right? So this is what's going on. So, so, so that, years ago, you'd have a saber-toothed tiger that comes to the village and starts attacking everyone, and the, the, the warriors would come out. They'd fight it, and after 30 minutes, that'd be it. I've been in that war zone for three months, three fucking months. And you imagine driving a supercar with no oil. Whether you drive it slow or whether you drive it fast, you are fucking it up. And what ended up happening is I took a week off in bed, literally in bed for a week. And then I had another week off on holiday when I got myself together. I snuck up on myself. I'd run out of adrenaline. I'd run out of adrenaline. And this is what people don't see. Is right now people, not normal entrepreneurs, are pioneer about, oh yeah, vertical markets, hedge funds, shut the fuck up. There's a bigger fucking thing at play here, which is your mindset. This is your biggest chance of success. This is your biggest chance of failure, your brain. If that goes, that's it, it's all over. So I was running on adrenaline. I collapsed, not collapsed, but I, I, a week where I was thinking, have I got cancer? Have I got, that's how serious this fucking was. And this is the thing is that at some point, you know, I go to the gym and I lift a weight up that's too heavy. Guess what? Your, your, your arm's going to rip, your muscle's going to rip. Your brain's the same. It can only take so much. And this whole thing, whereas normally I go to the gym, as I just said, and at which point I drive for 20 minutes and ring my friends, chat, chat, chat. I'm not going to the gym. So that in itself is a release. That's, that's no longer there. I can't ring my friends because I'm in the house. So now, this whole knock-on effect of everything that's related to COVID, plus you've got all the shit from, from, from COVID, plus you've got all the riots going on, plus you've got fucking lockdown, plus you've got finances, plus you've got Rishi Sunak, plus you've got fucking hell. And we wonder why people are struggling. So for someone like me who considers themselves astute when it comes to this, having had a nervous breakdown eight years ago, it was fascinating when I look back now, three, four weeks on, to see... You know, I was like literally like fucking Asperger's. My brain was sparking, flashes, fucking bizarre. And this is what I'm trying to say. So if me, who's in that world, who gets it, can cop for this, there's going to be millions of people out there right now that are going to be suffering from this. And this is, you know, why I, I share my message to know that it's okay. And actually, at some point, you've got to take your foot off the gas. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. COVID's been such a unexpected sort of challenge that no no person no business realized that they were going to have to face i got a friend of mine who's a boxer a professional boxer if i go punch him in the face he'll laugh at me right literally i could punch him as hard as possible in the face he'd just laugh at me he'd punch me once in the nose i'd be rolling around blood everywhere this is what this stuff conditions you for he's a professional boxer i asked him the question i said how many times have you punched in the face he started laughing he said ten thousand a hundred thousand no idea and i went seriously and this is the thing, when you get punched in the face for the first time, it's disorientating. When you get it for the second time, it's less so. And this is what I would say that every single person, if this was just a, a niche business problem, 
but it's not. It's a global pandemic. So therefore, it's not just you. We're all in the same fucking boat. But what I'd say to you is don't allow this time to just be frittered away. Ask yourself this question. Throughout this COVID, what have you learned about yourself? Because this is a unique opportunity. In 47 years of my life, I've never had this. None of us have. So don't let this go away. Do not go back to it. If you go back to the same way you was living, going to Shoreditch, getting up and doing the hit, fucking hell, you need your head feeling. I know, that's ridiculous. You know, and I say this there. <laughs> Someone told me I wasn't normal. <laughs> Someone told me a few months ago that it wasn't normal behaviour. But for me, it was, that's what I had to do to, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> no, but, but we end up getting ourselves on that hamster wheel because we are chasing some shit that, I'll give you an example, friend of mine, right, we're at, uh, Gauchos, a year ago, having a steak. And he says to me, um, he got a two million pound business. I went, oh, well done, mate. Come from nothing. Two million quid business. He said, yeah, I'm going for a 10 million quid one. All right, okay. Why is that then, Danny? Well, you know. No, mate, I don't. Well, you know, for the nice things in life. No, no, I don't, mate. Tell me. Well, you know, the nice, yeah, yeah, I get that. You said that twice now. What? Tell, tell me. That'd be fucking cappuccino. Tell me. As I tell me, what a £10 million business would give you that your £2 million one doesn't. And I said, how old's your boy? He said, five. I said, how long is it going to take you to get a £10 million business? He said, about 10 years. Right. I said, mate, seriously, listen to yourself. You don't even fucking know why you want a £10 million business. You've got no fucking idea. So £9,999,000 isn't right, but £10 million quid is. Oh, what about £900,998? that okay? Or oh, £97? When's the line drawn? We're getting ourselves in these bullshit numbers, chasing these numbers like a fucking computer game. It's your life. At some point, you're all going to die. Every single fucking person on here is going to die. We're going to be dead. Sorry. You know, 35 minutes fucking closer to death since we started speaking. <laughs> yeah, so at some point, I, I, I've been to six funerals in my life. Three last year. Three last year. Three fucking funerals last year. Right? 56, 63, 42. You know, none of these realise they're going to die a year before. None of them. Nobody ever does. But I'll tell you, if you walk around with a fucking timer in your head, tell you how long you got left in your life, do you reckon you'd, you'd be dicking about like you are? Fucking running to fucking shortage to go and fucking run a business. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. And this is the thing. At some point, I'm 47, I just said to the wife, I said, at some point, I won't get the garden done. Well, you know, I went, fucking listen. I might not be here next fucking year. So when's a good time? And this is the thing. So many of us wait. It's always somebody else that dies. It's always somebody else that gets COVID. And this is the bit that I'm telling you. I, I, I speak to people. I, I spoke at an event fucking two years ago. And I always remember Aberdeen because I've never been there before. Aberdeen. And a guy came up to me afterwards crying. He goes, go on. He says, I wish I'd listened to you before. I've got an 18 million pound business. Me and the wife, I've been doing it for 23 years. Me and the wife are going to go on a world cruise. Never got around to it. Been too busy. She died six months ago. I'm devastated. I would give every single penny of my money to, to get her back. <laughs> people fucking listen to I, I just I got, I'm a motivational speaker I speak at thousands of events this is what I this is what I hear every single day people are shocked when somebody dies oh they saw them last week that's what happens when people die yeah you only saw them last week so it's changed my it's changed my entire thinking about what about what is really fucking important in life and I tell you it isn't fucking dickhead cars I've got a dickhead car I've got a dickhead car and actually after three months I fucking give it back now but I've got fucking two years of a dickhead can left, <laughs> you know, because 
you know, why? Well, to prove they made it fucking nonsense, just stupid. But you've got to get your dickhead car to realise that dickhead cars ain't where the future is. Exactly. And I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier. I mean, it's defining really what success is to you, what will make you truly happy. I mean, you've got all these social media accounts, these self-proclaimed kind of traders, these Instagrammers who are using expensive cars and kind of expensive profiles that claim that they can teach you maybe through like trading um, how to get rich quick. Um, using tricking people into this mindset that they can help you generate thousands and thousands of pounds through trading um, and then that's what will make you happy mate 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 but this is but i'll tell you i'll tell you something this is the problem that you've got with today's world because i get it having nice stuff's great now i've got a fucking greatest pc by the way i just got it built in bacon games right but but you know i get it i've got an arcade machine i've got everything i've got folly this stuff that i've never dreamed of as a child but there comes a fucking point I got a mate of mine with gold fucking taps, gold taps, twelve thousand pounds each. And I said to him, I says, I said to him, I said, oh, I don't think much of those gold taps. He went to twelve grand. I said, now you can get platinum ones for thirty. I said, mate, you're off your fucking head. I said, your life is fucked when you're. Wouldn't it be better that you actually didn't go to fucking work and earn that less money so you could? I got another guy. Fucking, he's got a um, eight million pound fucking townhouse in Mayfair, right? He's excavated the fucking thing. He's going through a divorce at the moment. He's excavated the, the, the basement and he's got, went down there, see him, have a look at this, turn the lights on, think, think, think. There's a 40-foot cinema there. Red velvet fucking carpet, ticket machine, popcorn machine, did, 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 all the lights, everything. You know, I said, do you know what you need now, Steve? He said, what's that? It's a 38 fucking mates and a good divorce lawyer. You know, you end up chasing this shit. He's got a 40-seat cinema. Who the fuck's ever going to sit in his 40-seat cinema? You know, it looks great at right move, but it's just fucking nonsense. You know, and, and this is the thing, is that we end up chasing shit that we believe we want, when all we really, really want, any of us, is to be happy and content with who we are in our own skin. And it's simpler than that, because when you've got fucking stupid amounts of money, that's when you start doing daft shit. If you haven't got your happy in order, that is when you start doing shit that you shouldn't be doing. And that's when you start creating problems. Now, don't think that I'm hating on wealth because I'm not far from it. But what I'm hating on is wasting time for more wealth when you're not doing anything with the fucking first lot. That's mm -hmm. what I'm hating on. Mm -hmm. I think your comment about your, um, you know, how you spend your time and this COVID situation, it's a time for reflection. Um, and what are we going to do with our time and how are we going to change our ways? Um, you know, I chatted to a business owner a couple of weeks ago and they said, oh, call me back when things go back to normal. But there's a lot of people, like you said, there's going to be really big losers. And it's like, I said, I said, the reason I'm calling you is that life ain't going to go back to normal. Or, you know, well, no one knows. Unbelievable. Um, but it's different. Unbelievable. No, well, I think it's fair to say, you know, at service station, I went to service station last week. There is no way in this fucking world I'm opening that door like I once did. Right? Service station door, get out of it. Service station toilet, get out of it. So the world is changing, even if that's all that happens. Socially distancing, are you going to be keen to give hugs to people? Once networking, networking events when it goes back to real life. I mean, really going to be wanting swapping business cards? Crazy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is completely rewriting, sort of altering the way that we're going to be doing things moving forward. Okay, it's actually going backwards now. When I last saw you speak, which was at the Hampshire Business Show, you touched on the subject of an expert. Now, your definition of an expert is someone who has made all the mistakes in a niche field. Now, for someone like me, who is starting out, still starting out in business, 
and has a lot of mistakes to make in the fields I'm going into, how can someone like me or similar learn and leverage other people's mistakes and experiences? Okay, so understand this. Understand this. This is the thing, right? The reason we don't make decisions is we're scared they're the wrong ones, right? That's the only reason. Because if you knew, I'd give you a magic ring from fucking, you know, Warlock of Firetop Mountain, right? Middle Earth. And this magic ring allows you to make decisions perfectly uh, correct every single time. You wouldn't hesitate on a decision, right? You'd make them. So here's the thing. When it comes to decisions, the reason that people don't make decisions is they're scared they are the wrong ones. Now, the only time you realize whether it's the wrong one or not is after the event. Up until that point, it's a correct decision. No one, including me, goes, oh, I'm going to go make the fucking fuck up today. But occasionally they do. So, 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 so the reason we don't make decisions is we're scared they're the wrong ones. Let me tell you my management uh, thing. This is um, Bentley Global use it. And the reason that Bentley Global use it is I taught them, me, Brad Burton, the former drug addict, Brad Burton, the guy who got shot at, Brad Burton, the guy, oh, no, my Brad Burton, the guy who's written four books, a motivational speaker, da, 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 da. So this is how I make decisions. I make a decision. I'm the easiest person in the world to tell to. I'll make it in 24 seconds. If I can't make it in 24 seconds, I'll make it in 24 minutes. If I can't make it in 24 minutes, I'll revisit it in 24 hours. If after 24 hours I can't make it, I've just made a decision, it's not important next. You look at any negotiation, it's always in that last 10 minutes, it's fucking done. So why the fuck are we having Brexit? Why the fuck did it need to go up to the wire to get it over the line? Bullshit, people will fill in the time. So here's the thing. When it comes to making decisions, the reason we don't make them is we're scared they're the wrong ones. Right. There's, a, there's, there's no direct correlation between the longer that you take to make a decision and the shorter you take. There's no better thinking because nobody knows till after the event. So if you've got all the data, make a decision. There's the answer. So if you've got all the data, make the decision, right? And this is what I do. So when it comes to making decisions, that's what I do. I move fast. Think about it. We both start here. Where people end up in their life is a direct result of those decisions, right? Whichever way. The faster you can make decisions, the faster you're going to get to where you need to be. That's the reality of it. So when it comes to making decisions, I always ask yourself this question, why wait? What are you waiting for? Because if you're waiting for perfect conditions, you're going to be waiting a very long time. If you're waiting for more data, when is the line that that data is going to be garnered or not? So this is how I make decisions. So what I would say to you is fucking go for it. And if you can live with the downside of any decision, you should 100% go for it. 100%. And this is what I do. So when it comes to most difficult decisions in your life, they're going to come down to 51%, 49%. Let me just reverse up. I got shot at back in 1995, the worst day of my life. The worst day of my life. Best thing that ever fucking happened to me. I owe that gunman a pint. Because if it wasn't for that, there'd be no Brad Burton, the motivational speaker. There'd be no Brad Burton, the author. Brad Burton, my children, my wife, and the arcade machine, and my stupid car. That all happened as a result of something so seemingly fucking horrible. So everything happens for a reason, even the shitty stuff. Sometimes it takes 20 years for you to realise what that shitty stuff is and actually how it benefits. I'm telling you, I'm so glad of the life choices and stuff that's gone my way. That's, that's a really good message. Peter, um, I know we're kind of getting close to time. Do you have a question? Um, you mentioned yeah. at the beginning about writing uh, your fifth book, I think you said. Um, can you just tell yeah. us a little bit about that process? And is that, do you enjoy writing? Like which platform do you enjoy kind of sharing your content on the most? Like, is that online? Is it in book form or is it kind of in person? No, book form. So I've, I've, so I've written four and the fifth one is on its way now. So these are credibility convincers at the very least. 
at the very least, you know, if you're choosing a motivational speaker and one's got one book or you've got one that's got four, just going to nick it really, isn't it? Um, so I've got a methodology. Actually, I've run my own workshop called uh, Brad Burton, Be a Better, Write a Best-Selling Book. So bradburton.biz forward slash write, you can edit that out or edit it in. Um, but I, I've got a method that I use for my books, the tried and tested method that is, that is so clever and it's just so fucking mind-blowingly intuitive. Um, it takes me uh, 18 months of preparation for a book. What I mean by that is every time I think of something clever, I put it in a, a, a Apple Notes every time. Boom. And then let me show you. This is my latest book, my notes for my latest book. That is the notes for the latest book. So people don't just see, it doesn't just appear. And then what... Um, it's downstairs, she's writing it. I have a methodology anyway. I have a methodology that is that is work for every one of my books, which allows me to get the ideas, those stories into workable in a manner which is appropriate. In terms of my books, when I speak, I share stories from the books. When I write, I share stories from my motivational speaking and my life. And this is a, you know, this is it's funny because when I went to the careers officer. Uh, as a 15-year-old, he said, oh, you should be a motivational speaker. I said, no careers officer ever. But the reality is, is that somewhere along the way, I've created this, I've become the UK's number one motivational business speaker. And people say, Brad, how would you become the UK's number one motivational business speaker? I just made a website instead of the UK's number one motivational business speaker. And that's what I've got to But I mean, and then, <laughs> but then you've, got, then you've got people kicking off saying, well, he's not the UK's number one. I say, well, there is. Well, this person, right? Okay. Well, we better go to the league table then, the, the ombudsman. It's bullshit. So, anyway, joking aside there. Yeah, book writing is a real passion. There comes a point when I've got no option other than to write it. And I'll tell you something. What's really interesting is that when I'm dead, uh, my books will still be living and they will still be going on the charity bins, charity, you know, shop bins. I just find it fascinating. And I, I've said to the wife, should anything ever happen to me, I want the kids to read the books because every lesson that they're going to need in life is in those books. Like genuinely about decision-making process, about what they should do in situations. Those answers will be there for them. And that's what I kind of wrote it for them. But my fifth book now, what has happened is this lockdown has kind of created this point where I've gone, you know what, fuck it. I'm, I need to get this book out. Uh, it's, it's an unprecedented time. Three months ago, I couldn't have written the book. But the lessons that I've learned go back down to that whole adrenaline thing, the, the tiger, all this kind of stuff. It's just, it'd be wasted if I didn't share it. That's fantastic. That's a really good message. Um, so I know we're kind of out of time now. Is there, what, um, what bit of advice would you, um, would you leave our listeners with? Uh, if you could give them one bit of advice, what would that be? Wear a condom. <laughs> it's one of those decisions that's seemingly so innocuous, but can change everyone's life. And actually, unless you're in the market for babies, wear a condom. So, joking aside, um, what I'd say is be you, right? Be you. We spend so much time trying to fucking fit in to what the world thinks we should be about business orientations and cultures. Just be you. And if people don't like you for being you, that's okay. There's a big wide world out there of people that will. Because we end up being vanilla versions of ourselves. People said to me, Brad, I can't be a motivational speaker. Why not? You look like a drug dealer. You know, <laughs> I'm not, by the way, anymore. <laughs> right? But... Uh, we can all change but you know the reality is you, you can't write a book Brad why not well you can't call it get off your ass it's an offensive title okay you won't get it in waterstones so I did it you know you can't start a business off Brad why not well you've got no working capital what the fuck's working capital what do you mean money right okay 
you know, every step of the way, every step of the way I've been told that I needed to be someone, someone else. And actually I've proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that being you is enough. And I stopped comparing your life to other people. Stop comparing your life to other people. Stop going on, on, on Instagram and Facebook adverts and believing that that fucking clown that's getting out of a Lamborghini is somehow where your future lies. It's not, I promise you, where your future lies is with you, is with your fucking Fiat Punto. That's where your future lies, with what you've got. Do not spend time dreaming about bullshit that is never going to happen. Make sure that your dream is your dream and not some fucking one that's foisted on you by Instagram by society, by the media. And this is the thing, you know, I've got, I had some fucking idiot turn around to me a year and a half ago and say, oh, I've got self-limiting beliefs. Hey, yeah, Andy Robbins has got $300 million of, I couldn't give a fuck what Andy Robbins has got, right? You know, what I'm interested in is what I've got and what I'm interested in, I don't want to be working really fucking hard to go and get more wealth, to buy what, a bigger arcade machine, to buy a dafter car. I'm not interested. I'm quite happy running my clock down pottering about in Somerset and I've got self-limiting beliefs. Now, somewhere along the way, somebody could have got stayed there and go, oh, I've got self-limiting beliefs, you need to change. No, you are good enough. You are good enough. You are good enough. Be you. If people don't like you for being you, next. Well, there you have it. Brad, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today, but thank you so much for joining us. You have been absolutely awesome. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of Rocket Pod. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brad. And if you'd like to follow his journey, check out his website at bradburton.biz. Follow us on social media. It's at We Are Rocket Pod. And if you'd like to leave us a review, that would be absolutely awesome. We love hearing your feedback and want to constantly improve the podcast experience for you all. Of course, a huge thank you to our sponsor, Flexi, who is the one-stop shop for your subscription management. Download the app from the App Store today. From all of us at Rocket Pod, have an awesome week and we'll see you next time.